Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I am Stuart Roberts and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me, See Me. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is uh, Hear Me, See Me podcast. Um, Stuart today talking to the wonderful hairdresser, Gary Gill. Um, hello, Gary. Hello, Stuart. Nice to see you. <laughs> it's a bit surreal, isn't it? Very. <laughs> We're talking remotely now. I must prefer a face-to-face conversation. Absolutely. So it's <laughs> taken us a while to uh, get there, so... We can, yeah, we'll always get there. Um, yeah. So, Gary, the, you know, for everyone out there, you're an amazing hairdresser. I've followed your work. Thank you so it's much. beautiful work. Uh, would you, you know, just so people know, you know, could you tell us about how you got into hairdressing and, you know, your journey, basically? Yeah, sure. I mean, I was, uh, my mum was a hairdresser, um, so I was kind of, you know, I think very suddenly, you know, influenced by her when I was really young. Um, and I mean, I, I kind of wasn't very good at school, you know, kind of typical boy in the seventies and eighties at school, didn't really get into it, you know, and kind of became quite distracted by things outside of school and, you know, music and, you know, basically I was very badly behaved, um, at school and a badly behaved teenager and, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, and I just ended up leaving school without any qualifications. I, I mean, I ended up leaving school before I should have done and started working. I was working in factories, cleaning floors. I was working on building sites. I didn't really care what I did as long as I had some money to do the things I wanted to do. But, of course, you know, that didn't really go that well. Eventually, at the time, I was running out on that, and... Um, one day I just decided I thought I need to do something, you know, which is going to, you know, enhance my life, make my mom proud of me and, you know, give me some kind of focus. And I'd always been really creative. So I just decided one day that I thought, yeah, why don't I be a hairdresser? And I, you know, I just, I'd seen the TV show, I think, where I'd seen some like guys doing hair and, I thought, well, that seems like a cool job to do. Maybe I could do that. And I always wanted to do it before when I was at school. And I, you know, used to have careers evenings. And, you know, I was, I didn't want to be the only boy sitting in line with a lot of girls to do hair. I wanted to, you know, it was maybe, you know, I just wasn't, I didn't want to be in that, in that kind of area. I wanted to, you know, maybe seem more macho than I really was. So, um, I, you know, I always went, for those kind of jobs at careers evenings that I never really wanted to do. So I ended up just getting a job in a, a local salon um, where I was living in southwest London at the time. And, um, you know, it, I didn't know whether it was good training or not, but fortunately for me, there were 
quite a few of the guys who worked there were all from Sassoon's and I got an amazing training and did an apprenticeship and the first day I worked in this salon I was like this is what I want to do this is where it's at and I haven't looked back and it's been you know a really great life for me so I did my apprenticeship and I just became really enthusiastic I was doing hairdressing competitions I was doing photo shoots I was just I just wanted to like drawing the whole thing in and absorb everything that was being given to me. I had an amazing teacher. She was, you know, an absolute dream. And I still think of her now. And even when I'm cutting hair now, you know, maybe 30, over 30 years later, I can still hear her talking in my head about, you know, graduation and layers and, you know, all these kind of things. And, you know, I was very, very, very lucky. I really fell on my feet with it. And then after after three years, you know, I've, I I guess I've always been really ambitious and whenever I wanted to do something, I got really got stuck into it. And after three years of doing that, I decided to open my own salon and one of the girls I worked with at the time, we did that together. And also my mum was a hairdresser, so she came to work with us and we we opened a, you know, really nice salon, you know, not far from where I live now. And we had that for nearly 20 years and it was an amazing you know, one of the best times of my life, you know, especially working with my mum every day and uh, my friend, and we were in partnership for, yeah, I'd say nearly 20 years, and it was one of the best times of my life. And people always say to me, what was it like working with your mum every day? And I said, it was amazing. She completely had my back. I learned so much of her, not just about hair, but about, you know, how to be and attitude and dealing with people. And she had had her own salon for over 10 years prior to that and we've lived above her salon so she had a lot of experience in terms of having your own salon and it was nice to have that kind of I was only 21 and it was nice to have that kind of mature kind of mature um, I suppose outlook and influence and also my dad was involved as well and he looked after all the business side of stuff so it was a really nice family business and it was as I said it was one of the best times of my life and um, I learned so much I mean I did a lot of things wrong but I also I you know I learned by a lot of those mistakes and uh, yeah it was very successful and we ended up buying the shop next door and expanding it and we had a you know really big shop and at one point between 20 and 25 people working there and um, it was a really great business. So that was kind of, I guess, you know, chapter one and chapter two. And then I, you know, I kind of got slightly itchy feet. And as much as I was loving it, I, you know, my I, my mum was getting a bit older and I knew she wanted to retire. My business partner, you know, had a family and I was just spending more and more time not doing hair and more and more time in my office and my computer and dealing with, you know, staff problems and, you know, all those kind of things. And as much as I didn't mind that, I just thought I, I've got to either make a move now or I'll never, I'll, ne- I'll always sit here when I'm like, you know, the age I am now and think, why didn't you do it? So we man- we managed to, to cut a long story short. We managed to sell our business and we sold it to a bigger um, salon group. And I stayed on as a creative director and as a consultant, which I did for maybe 10 years, which was, a really nice job because I was kind of working from home on it a bit and the rest of the time I was free to kind of do what I want and that's when I started doing session work and um, I kind of I fell into session work really and you know I used to sit in my salon read magazines and think oh I could do this it's easy 
it's really easy, you know, and it was only when I started doing it that I realised how difficult it was and how hard it was going into the session world and, you know, working in fashion at, a, you know, what I considered a high level at the time, how difficult it was and how much your skills had to change. So I had to really go back to basics and started assisting other people and working on show teams and really learning the ropes of what, how it was to be a session hairdresser. And I guess I got away with things for a while. I was very passionate. I'd always loved photography. I'd always loved art. So those kind of two things really came together when it, in terms of me finding an aesthetic. And I guess I'd been doing it for three or four years and I guess just, just about getting away with it and still doing some good work, you know. But I also didn't feel I felt like I I could be better and I needed to be better and I also needed to understand what my aesthetic was and what I wanted to say and I was doing a lot of work I wasn't in session where I wasn't really enjoying and I just thought I need to strip this right back go back to the beginning and find out what I want to say I need a message I need a point of view and I need a, an aesthetic in terms of my hair and the photography that went with it that was really going to say something. It's only when I went back to that point that I things started to work and things really started to open up. And I really, you know, my career really snowballed really quickly. So, you know, it's been from there that, you know, the last kind of, I guess, 13, 14 years that I've been doing that which has been, you know, it's gone from strength to strength, and um, I, I, I didn't, you know, I never, the first, I'm uh, represented by Streeters now, which, and they've been incredible and an incredible agency, and I've learned a lot since I've been there. But for the first kind of 10 to 12, 13 years of my career, I represented myself, and having a good business background really allowed me to um, understand what I needed to do business wise, and I think that's one thing that I would always say to people coming into the industry that it's really important a to have a good business sense of what you're doing but also set up a really good aesthetic in terms of making everything you do fit together and have a really good point of view and create you know something that people a look that people will come to you for so yeah from then i've gone gone on to do you know doing like you know really big shows at fashion week in paris and milan and new york and london and Big, big campaigns with brands and, you know, great editorials for amazing magazines and things I never dreamt that I would do. And even now, I'm still pinch myself on a daily basis that these things are happening and I'm doing this work. And, you know, I'm exceptionally grateful for everything. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've done it and become successful at it at an older age. And I think that's really helped me to be able to kind of position myself in the right place and understand what I need to do from a creative point of view as well as a business point of view. So that's where we are today, really, um, you know, working flat out on shows, editorial and brand campaigns. And I'm loving every minute of it. I was smiling all the way through that <laughs> because I was literally smiling because the early part of it was so similar to mine. Right. And there were so many similarities along the way. We obviously we went different ways towards the end of it, but yeah. you know the, the thing of the salon and the um, you know and you working with mum like um, how yeah. do you work with mum? Well, I've worked with my sister um, right all my working life, 
And ah, okay. uh, more so, well, I just, the salon closed at the end of last year, like end of 18. Right. And, um, it, it, but we had that for 30 years and we worked together. Wow. Um, wow. And she, we'd never had a row. We never mm. actually ever had an argument. Yeah. I mean, more that to the point that, you know, I just admitted I was wrong every time. So that's that <laughs> how we got through that. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was, when you said that, you said she had my back. I really resonated yeah. with that. Yeah. No matter what went on, like having your sister there and you had your mum. Yeah. You've got someone there who's got your back, which is quite special, I think, in business. And it really, um, it really was, yeah. And yeah. I, I, I had a good, a fantastic business partner as well, and she was, you know, it's very close to my family and always had been. So we felt like we had every base covered, and we were able to support each other. And you know, I think having a really strong unit in terms of family business was, you know, very, very, very powerful in terms of having a very successful business. And you can see, like brands like Tony and Guy, for example, how come they became successful and so powerful with that kind of family business I guess that can go one or two ways can't it you know yeah yeah it can you've got to be a close family yeah I yeah. mean yeah it could, it, it, it could it, be a disaster there can be rivalry and things but um, luckily for me lucky for you it works really well um, and it's, as, as you said you have to sometimes you, you sort of just went into it and you have to mistakes um, because I was not quite a, 21 was young wasn't it to have a sat on very, yeah, but I, 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 I also was, I was very arrogant as well. I was a very yeah. arrogant young hairdresser. So I thought I knew it all, yeah. everything. I didn't care about anything. It was like, it was all going to be fine. And, you know, it was only, I, I felt like that kid who started climbing a really, really big tree. And it was only when I got to the top of the tree 15 years later, I was like, ah, what have I done? What have I done? What am I doing? I have got a clue what I'm doing. I'd love some of that courage now, would you? Some of that courage of you. Absolutely. And the, you know, I mean, I, I, I had that kind of, you know, that courage and arrogance of you. Um, yeah. which which was at the time it worked well it worked yeah. at the time but it's only yeah. looking back now that I wish I'd done things so differently I mean where did you train Stuart? I trained in a, in a salon in Essex um, right and it okay. was uh, it was quite you know out of the way uh, but it's I was really same as you I was really lucky it's who you get in with and it was called Lorraine's Doorway and um, Steve Brooks was a partner and at the time um, it, uh, many salons out that way weren't really doing much but they were really involved in L'Oreal and they were doing the colour trophy and all these things yeah. they were yeah. doing, I remember doing photo sessions with them and yeah. like stuff that you didn't appreciate at the time absolutely you know and working hard because you know you do your long hours every week and then you go and do your training sessions of an evening mm. photo shoots would be every weekend and you'd be there early in the morning I mean, a photo shoot used to be Polaroids and this, and you know, you, yeah. you know, early in the morning till midnight and doing all these things, and it was all off your own back, wasn't it? It was all because the, the love of what you were doing. It wasn't absolutely. like absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, the passion was there, and then I related to you when you said you ended up just in the office most of the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I did the last five years of my salon. Uh, we we had it for thirty years. Salon, and wow. the last five years I was in the office while I was on the floor. And, to be yeah. honest, this is where haircuts are going to save me because I, I, sure. I've said before, I was a bit punch drunk by the high street and yeah. then 
Yeah, just, yeah, you must. Yeah, you you must get that. And yeah, I just I done this first session. I was um, I was just I had to be doing this thing because I I work I work with alcoholics and things. And I was doing this thing, volunteering at the Salvation Army, and I was doing this thing where you I was in little talks to groups, you know, and and mm. and I saw the guys coming in. I saw that Mark Bustos in America doing it on the street, and I thought, yeah, oh, next week I'm bringing me scissors. I'm going to cut some of these homeless guys' hair. You know, yeah. they've got an original yeah. idea. And then the first day I did it, it was just took me back to the time you were talking about and I was talking about of that being a young, arrogant, but just it wasn't that. It was the fact of just doing hairdressing. Yes, it took me back to that glory day of just cutting hair and just doing it. You know, no ulterior motive, no money involved, just Mm. making someone look and feel better. Mm. Um, And it resurrected my hairdressing passion. I must admit, and people say, "Oh, it's wonderful what you do." I said, "Completely selfish." I got so much out of it Mm. that you know, and it's and and I think what. With you, with going into then the session work and the artistic side of things, you could express yourself, and it went yeah. away from business back to art, which your work yeah. is really an art. I mean, it's beautiful your work. Thank you so much. I mean, I've I've heard you say before that you 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 felt like it was a calling. I mean, which is a very kind of, I find that really powerful statement. You know, um, I, I think it's a wonderful thing to say to to call it a calling. And I think I think what you do share is incredible. I, I, you know, I mean, I guess we work at, you know, such polar <laughs> ends of the market, but there's something in the middle where I yeah. really, where we, I guess we really connect. And I, yeah. I guess being a similar age and maybe training in a similar, a similar yeah. time, and you know, going through the different kind of evolvement of hairdressing and where it is now and. You know, all the kids wanting to do session work and, you know, it, you know, very kind of it is the thing to do. But, you know, for me, you know, I've, the, the fact that I've heard you say it was a calling was, has resonated with me so much. And also the fact that the power of the haircut. And I often get asked, what is the, what, what is it? That you that you miss about working in the salon, and you know it's the camaraderie, it's that kind of I guess a routine and regularity which I loved, and I you know I love being with people, but I miss what I do miss is that that very ordinary, which seems like a very ordinary process to most people, but to me to cut someone's hair and to make them feel better just through a pure simple haircut is one of the nicest feelings you, you can ever have. And I don't have that anymore. I don't get that anymore. So, you know, that is one thing that I would say that I really, really miss is the, the power of, of the haircut, of the way to psychologically make someone feel better. Take away the, the aesthetic, take away the visual process and, and the result. It's just the, the, the joy of seeing someone sit in the seat you do the cut and you see them, their whole kind of personality and their whole character elevated when they leave. It's such a nice feeling. And to do that in the way you do it, it must be so rewarding. Um, and I, I just think you do it so well. You know, what, what do you think it is that makes you able to do it so well? More than, you know, it, it, you know, some people might be kind of nervous to do it or, 
you know, I, I go into my work feeling nervous about always about what I do. I'm never going to my work thinking I'm not nervous, but to do what you do, I just think it's incredible from that perspective to deal with, you know, all the different characters and all the different problems that those characters have. And, you know, is is that power of the haircut something which really kind of enables you to to kind of push through when things get difficult for yourself or for those people? I think um, it's the, the natural thing that ties many of us in the hairdressing world. Um, we've all got, and it's what draws us to the industry, we've all got a natural empathy. Mm. Um, mm. And, it, you know, from from uh, someone working in a salon, someone freelance, someone, you know, to, to even to what you're doing, um, we've all got that that sort of core empathy that... that we can, we're great communicators. He said stuttering. We're great communicators. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're wonderful communicators, and, and that's what it's about. It's human human connection and communication. Yeah. So that's what comes across, and that's what we've. That's why you know we've got an army now of six hundred volunteers, and, yeah. and they've yeah. all got this passion running through them. The ones that are there's lots of people like the like button but not many people press the action button and they're the ones that are really drawn to it for some reason that there's something resonating mm. with them to do it. You know, yeah. and even yourself, like you said, you've never been, and I'm sure, I'm sure when this madness is over that you, you know, you'll come along one day and you'll get that buzz out of it. You'll, you'll, yes, I'm sure you'll come along. And, and my job is to then reassure people. And they always say afterwards, we go for coffee and they say, and I'll say it wasn't as bad as you thought it was, was it? You know, because we, we, we all elevate these things in our mind the night before, don't we? And it's like, be like oh, this. And <laughs> yeah, I elevate everything in my mind to this <laughs> massive blockbuster. Yeah, always. Yeah. <laughs> the most simple things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There, there was, because we've had, we get, we get, like I say, home hairdressers, salon workers, self-employed, we get all sorts on our volunteers. Mm. But we could do get some people like yourself in, in the high end of the fashion world. Mm. And they come along and they're all blown away by it, you know. Yeah. And recently, and she was on the podcast, I had Anna Caffoni. Ah. Uh, yeah, she's a wonderful lady and she comes yeah, down it. And, yeah, and she was, she, it just took a breath away because she, cause the world she was in or yeah, the world yeah. she, well, she was in, yeah, I suppose it's not happening so much now, but... Yeah, no, I mean, you know, she is a wonderful uh, person. I bumped into her in, uh, in the train station, you know, about a year ago, and we had a lovely conversation just out of the blue, which, which is really nice. She's a lovely lady, yeah. Yeah, and that's it, and that's, that's you know, it's that... Um, it goes across all bounds, you know, um, and it, I had one, uh, I had a guy, um, and he, uh, I had a, it was actually, um, Louis, Louis, uh, Byrne, he, he does, uh, um, ah, uh, he does the hair for, uh, oh, I love her. Oh, the, the girl uh, who does the voice and everything. She's Emma Willis. I always get her name, okay. but I can see her, I always see her eyes. I'm, I'm, she's got the most beautiful eyes. Um, and she, he does her hair, and he's obviously like, right. <laughs> he goes around the world doing things. And he cut this guy's hair, the guy got up, he went, Cheers, mate. That saved me a tenner. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought, if only you knew, pal. <laughs> it saved me a tenner. Uh, but, you know, and it's, 
everyone's humbled by it, yeah. mate, honestly. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's I mean, that word humility, humility is such a... It, it's used a lot, I guess, and I guess I feel like over the last few years, you know, the word humility has been used more and more and more. And, you know, yeah. do you think it's... Do you think that, you know, the the, the kind of the, the volunteers, I mean, you've got 600, that's incredible. I mean, is, is the most of them in you know, the bigger cities or, I mean, do you, do you think, and also do you think these, the, the, everybody needs to feel some kind of humility from time to time? And when you're working, say, in fashion and beauty, especially at a very high level, mm. that maybe there isn't that feeling. And I think, I feel like everybody needs to come back down and back to reality in terms of humility. And, you know, do you think coming into, as you said, you get a lot from it. Mm. Um, and it does a lot for you. Like I think all those kind of things. Are, it's a two-way street, isn't it? And okay. do you think a lot of the, the the volunteers are, you know, outside of that, they're working in salons and doing their own their own um, work, doing other things. Do you, do you think that what, what do you think most people's motivation is to to do what you do and to join your group of volunteers? I think generally there's a backstory. There's generally, yeah. once you chat, and it's everyone, it initially is the thing, oh, I've seen what you do, like, like, I wanted to join in. Mm. And then you just, you know, you speak a bit longer, and then there tends to be, oh, and what it was, my dad, or my cousin, or my friend, or my boyfriend, or yeah. there's always tends to be something that someone's been yeah. affected by mm. either addiction, or homelessness, yeah. or, yeah. or, Abuse, you know, like you know, yep. there's, we 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 do quite a bit of work in so we, the ones we don't sort of publicise are the women's refuges because we can't right. generally, yep. and so there's all those sort of things. So yeah, they, uh, just just all there seems to be always something in someone's backstory that draws them to it. Yeah. So there's yep. something that makes people look and like, and then there's something that makes people just sort of look a bit longer, and that yep. gen generally is something from their past. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there the seems to be such a big kind of move and drive towards, you know, homelessness and uh, helping, you know, helping out with, you know, helping people who have got so many problems, as you say, across the board from addiction to mm. abuse to mental health. And, you know, there's such a big kind of push towards mental health at the moment. I was listening to one of your podcasts about the... Um, Tuesday night bites and oh, yeah. the amount of work that they're doing as well, and yeah. you know just the amount of need that there is for in the big cities for you know for for this kind of work and this kind of I suppose you know people having opening up and having some empathy and you know working hard. And you always find there's a big drive towards it at Christmas, what, mm. and you know for obvious reasons and people. I, and I just feel like, you know, your volunteers to be doing it all year round. It's just an incredible thing for them to do. And there must be, as you said, the, you know, I guess the backstory of everybody has something that they feel like they need to give back somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone needs a why. I mean, it all comes down to your to your why. Mm. And um, it, it, it that's the thing that keeps them coming. So there's mm. there's some people and it's bless them all like some just do a couple and it's you know they enjoy it mm. and some the ones that keep coming back and back and back there's something that really drives them mm. uh, and something that some reward on on a 
spiritual level that they get. Yes, you know, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. It taps into something more than the physical. Yes, um, and that's Absolutely. really what drives most of our why. If you want to look what about motivation and things like that with people, you have to just keep mm-hmm. drumming down into the why. And once you find that, you know what drives you as an individual. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then that you can use that then, you know. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I know, um, you know, obviously, you know, I work with Beauty Papers and Maxine Leonard and Valerie yeah. Wicks a lot. And, yeah. um, you know, amazing people do amazing things. Great to the end. I know they're kind of got behind your haircuts for the homeless. Oh, and, yeah. you know, the, the major... Shout out to Maxine. Which, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the force of nature, Maxine. that is Maxine Leonard. <laughs> That's right, completely. And everybody knows that I'm sure would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know they've made a short a short film about, you know, the um I've seen a small trailer for the Haircuts for the Homeless and the Whitechapel mission. What yeah. what do you what what's your kind of hope for that film and you know, I mean obviously awareness and yeah. you know, I know that you were supposed to be having a kind of screening stroke premiere very yeah. soon obviously <laughs> due to the yeah, obvious problem we're having now. at the moment. Yeah, um, I think they're working on a, a digital, like some sort of small digital release, and then yeah. obviously when things come back to normal, then doing the proper one. Yeah, just doing it later. But um, it, it's all—I don't mind anything of, of that nature as long you know it, it all progresses the calls. Um, mm. So anything out there, uh, aside but Simon who's done the filming of that, yeah. I've not really, I've not even seen the clip. I've just saw a little bit of working edit mm. that he showed yeah. me, yeah. and it took my breath away. It's stunning, mm-hmm. stunningly beautiful really, piece of work yeah. that he's done. Mm. Um, uh, and I didn't, I'm a bit of an open book, Gary, you know. So I, I sort of just spurt these things out, and then <laughs> it's only when I hear them back they affect me. And I think the bit he showed me was a bit I was talking about. Um, I think I was talking about my daughter, um, my yeah. alcoholism, yes. and it yes. really hit me. I cried to okay. tears coming down my face, you know. Okay. And it's, I can say it, I can talk about it easily, but I can't hear it. Mm. <laughs> sure. I think it's going to be sure. difficult. When we finally get to see it, I think it'll be pretty difficult for me to watch, but yeah. not in a bad way. Because it, no. it's a beautiful piece of filming that is. No, I, I know exactly what you're saying. But I mean, it must be a really amazing thing to think where you started this from, mm. you know, to having, you know, film and having a screening and having, you know, so many, you know, oh. great people get behind what you do. It must be it's, just. It's real, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's surreal. And I put, as you said earlier, you pinch yourself every day. I do yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, and this yeah. won't stop us. I mean, this is, this, this is just press the pause button. Mm. So it's not, it's not press the stop button. This is press the pause button. And I think we all needed, we mm. all needed to press the pause button. This is this, the good that comes out of this situation is that, you know, occasionally you have to press the pause button to reflect. And as mm. and humanity's, pre- you know, nature, mm. whatever this has caused, this has pressed it for us. And said, "Hang on a minute, you've got to stop a minute, take stop, mm-hmm. and then move forward." And mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how you feel, but um, that's yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, oh, God, it's a real minefield, mm. isn't it? I mean, mm. I, I guess firstly, what I was curious about was how this will affect, obviously you're not able to work and your volunteers aren't able to work. How is it going to affect the people, you know, the people who go to the mission, Whitechapel mission, for example, how's this mm. 
situation with the coronavirus going to affect them and the resources that they use on a daily basis what you know that that concerns me a great deal you know there was one minute people are talking on the radio about footballers not giving up their wages and then you're talking we're talking now about people who rely on these resources that you're part of how is it going to affect them on a day-to-day basis i can't get my head around that no um, it's 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 broken my heart i mean I, um, when I called it that we had to stop, mm. uh, I didn't sleep all night. It, it, yeah, it, it, it came about a week before that they told us to stop, but I knew in my heart I'd to. I'd been finding lots of admissions and lots of the centres and spoke to team leaders and I spoke to insurance and all, like, everyone I could think of to make the informed decision. And in the end, I knew it's a responsible thing to do to protect our volunteers. Mm. To be able to carry so, like long-term thinking. We need long-term thinking for this stuff. Um, mm. And then, but then straight away, I mean, these are not just customers. Like um, yeah. these guys, unfortunately, I've, I, I've known some of them for five years. I've been doing this for five and a half years. I've been doing yes. this, and yeah. I've known some of them all of that time. There's, there's mm-hmm. Straight away, five or six jump into my mind who I've known all of that time and the thought of them out there um, with nothing uh, is it, so scary. Um, mm. Some of the councils and, I mean, the government's doing its best, but some of the councils as well have managed to get, I'm hearing reports from my um, centres that they are getting people undercover now, getting people in, you know, housed in rooms and things. But I know the guys and some of them will not cope because you can put someone inside and they can't cope inside. So, oh, right. okay. do you see what I mean? It's difficult. Yeah. They, they, you know, um, and even though they know it's for the best, mm. um, it, you know, they, they just can't cope in there. So it, it's, it's, it's not an easy answer to any of that, Gary. And I just, mm. all I hope is that, that the, we have the fewest amount of casualties as possible. Mm. And I, I just can't wait to get back out there uh, 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 get back out there and help them again and try and help them all get over it, you know? Mm, Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, I, I think that it's, it feels, it feels like, you know, um, it's going to be a really big kind of hill for us all to climb to get over this. Um, I truly believe whatever sector of you work in across globally, Things are going to be, things are going to be better, and there are going to be casualties along the way from, exactly. you know, people's businesses, people's mental health, people's um, addiction, you know, abuse, and the, you know, the all the things that, I think all those things are going to be really highlighted, and I do think that, that even after the casualties, good will come from this because I do think, you know good always comes from bad yeah. and you know like you said that the world does need a reset we all need a reset we need to rethink the, the way we do things yeah. um and um the way we go about things and our attitude towards things and our attitude towards people and you know the, the amount of empathy and humility that we have to have for other people um and and also you know looking into you know kind of better management better leadership you know and we are in my opinion, 
you know, living very dysfunctional lives. I mean, um, my my schedule for work is just ridiculous. You know, it is ridiculous. And I can deal with it. I can cope with it. I have a good team. Um, I have an amazing team and I have great management and I'm very, 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 very grateful for that. But I'm, you know, and so it's kind of, but when I think about, you know, people at the other end of the spectrum who have no support and have, you know, I was listening to a radio program about a freelance hairdresser and she had £15 in her purse and that was it, you know, and where was she going to go from there? And, you know, all of those things could happen so easily to so, or will happen to so many people. And I'm I'm just, I really am quite, I, I, the word's not, um, I guess I'm very, very confident that, the good will come from this and people will start to realize how much stress we're under. You know, I think it's something like 15 million days a year are lost to stress alone in this yeah. country because of, you know, people's, you know, and the amount of disruption through, although digital stuff's incredible, but it's also very, very disruptive. And, you know, are people going to realize that we really need to take a step back and realize the things that are really important, you know, in our lives, you know, and not being able to reach out to family, not being able to reach out to anybody really, you know, and I suppose it's going to change the shape very much of the way we work. And I think that that can only, you know, if it's even what you're doing, or even what I'm doing and everything else in between in our industry, it's going to change the shape of it. And I think that can only be a good thing, you know? Mm. I mean, it's, I suppose it's, it's getting used to a kind of a, a newer kind of, a newer way of life and a newer way to look at things, isn't it? I mean, you know, I mean, do you, do you think that, do you think that, I'm so curious to know that, I mean, you know, you work with these people all the time, so you know their kind of problems and their day-to-day struggles, you know, and do you think their day-to-day struggles are going to be, how is this um, kind of lockdown going to affect their day-to-day struggle? Well, I think that, you know, firstly, um, they're very isolated. Right. Many many of them are very isolated anyway. So it's, (laughs) so ironically... Um, this is going to hit them hard because with everyone else in isolation, uh, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? It's it's, yeah, it's, it's another thing. Um, uh, and I, I know some of these centres are that. See, a big thing I've witnessed, and you said about Tuesday night bites. Tuesday night bites is quite incredible because it's very young. Like the the workforce is very young, so right. we're seeing a generation now that are becoming socially conscious at a younger age, yeah. mm-hmm. which is very, yeah. uh, you know, that it's very it's hopeful, isn't it? Yeah. Very encouraging and hopeful. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and but there they they do it is based on a soup kitchen, and they do do all of that. But as you heard, a lot of it's about companionship, and you see these mm-hmm. young people, they, they all the foods given out and then they will sit and chat and converse mm. and I think that's the, the thing that people are really going to miss because some places are operational but they're doing like a backdoor service so literally it's just the food 
which is so essential, you know, if you, you, we need that, but again, that handed out and then that's it. Yeah, um, but it, but it, as you say, it's that companionship on yeah, that, in it, a kind of a supposed to safe environment, isn't it? Because yeah. I guess when they're out on the streets, the companionship isn't a self safe environment, really, is it? There's always no. the potential of something, you know, going wrong or kicking off, or you know, yeah. they're, they're surviving by their their wits. I guess at least when yeah. they're in the space where you're cutting their hair or they're having food or they're being, you know, someone's just literally talking to them. They've got a kind of, they can kind of let that guard down for a while. And that must be a real break, mm. mustn't it, for them? Yeah, and we see it with the haircuts because, it, it, as we say it, many times, it's, it's more than just a haircut. And yeah. you find quickly it's not the haircut, it's the, it's the touch, it's the communication. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and it's people who feel invisible, yeah. suddenly feel visible. People who feel that they're not mm. heard. You know, yeah. it's why the podcast got called this, Hear Me, See Me, because it's what they cry out for. Mm-hmm. It's that look at me and listen to me. Um, mm. And I'm afraid that in this situation, a lot of people will, you know, you know, they're, they're just going to feel like they've gone backwards. But um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it will be temporary, you know. So it may be longer term, but everything is temporary. And you said about us growing through this. Shame on us if we don't. You know, this is a unique situation. You know, absolutely, this will never happen again. Please, God, it will never happen again. Mm. So this point of, like, stop, pause, reset, we really, all of us have got a duty to make the most of it and and bring something positive positive out of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think, you know, know, people's mental health is... You know, mental health is such a big thing. I know we touched mm. on it earlier, but, you know, a lot of the people that you look after and a lot of the visitors to the centre that you look after are obviously very, very much on the edge of their mm. mental health tipping over the wrong way. Do mm. you think I've, you know, looking through social media in the last few days, I've been seeing a lot of people posting, saying they're, they're you know, people who've got, you know, jobs and, you know, um, lives and children's and homes they're still that people are finding their mental health is suffering and um you know i keep thinking about that and thinking about how fragile mental health is and how mm. you know how fragile it must be for these people and there's this situation going to mm. take them to a point where it takes them you know to a place they don't want to be well i think the biggest it is one of the biggest things we find when we do the work you know mm. mental health uh, uh, it's such a big, big problem out there because we sort of went for a, um, a time, you know, I remember it, a time, I think it was the 80s or, you know, that it was a care in the community. So the, the, the government at the time decided that we give people more responsibility. Um, we closed down a lot of establishments where people were staying and the, the idea was to give them, you know, get them out into the community and care from in the community. Mm. But what happened was, you know, for whatever reason, you know, uh, the care part of it didn't get put in place. And so you just had people yeah. in the community. And, you know, right. The, right. the resources and everything for mental health, I've suffered from mental health all my life. Um, yeah. I've seen things happen. I mean, I've said this before. I recently, like, when, when I lost my business, um, like, 18 months ago, um, yeah. I phoned the doctor 
because I was in a state. I, I had a bit of a breakdown. I couldn't. And I'm, I'm actually lucky and fortunate that being in recovery, I've got, I've got tools to use. I've got a strong family network. So I, I'm yeah. privileged. So I was yeah, having a breakdown in privileged circumstances. <laughs> I still sure. needed to reach out to the doctor. And he, my doctor, bless him, has known me for years and he knew I was struggling and he recommended this, you know, to call and then the call led to saying I needed some therapy and, mm-hmm. you know, so went on. Uh, and then I was driving along one day, six months after, and I got a, a, a phone call from Haven Mental Health saying, and, and I said, oh, I thought something was wrong with one of my loved ones. And it's like, oh, it's about your therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and, I felt, and I was just fuming. You know, like, I said, you know, and it, you always take it, you always shoot the message, didn't you? And I said, like, what are you talking about? I said, I did this six months ago. I said, you know, there's people dying out there. And then she said, yeah. she said to me, bless her, she said, oh, I take you, don't need the appointment. And hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry, mate, because Absolutely. this is the thing. And I, I, I know, every, look, people do their best with the circumstances they've got, but mm. not enough. It's really not. Mental health in this country, when we come out of this, has got to be, it's, you know, the help has got to be escalated. Um, and, and we will find that the, and the problem is the vulnerable people out there are suffering the most because they're in the most stressful situations in their life. So they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're vulnerable to begin with and then add it to the stressful life they're living, it exacerbates their, their mental state and you sure. get and it gets from worse to worse. And that's why people then lead to, you know, not, not every homeless person is an alcoholic or a drug addict, but mm-hmm. it often leads to that because I know from experience, it's a way of shutting this stuff off. Yeah. It's not ideal, yeah. But it, unfortunately, it's very effective. That stuff works. Yeah, yeah. You know, you want to get away from something for now. And, you know, I'm, I'm Absolutely. not advocating any of that because I know it makes things worse. But Absolutely. I can see why they turn. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. you know you're yeah. soaking wet. Someone's nicked your tent. You're having yeah. a bad day. What yeah. do you want, a coffee or, 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 a, or a shot of vodka? You know, like, I do get yeah. it. I do understand yeah, absolutely. it. You know? Absolutely. And, and do you think that, um, you know, the, I guess, I suppose it, it's, it, you know, it, you know, the, the availability of, say, help at this time is so even harder, isn't it? Even if, you, you know, I mean, yeah. if, if you, even, you know, just the thought of having to go to hospital for something else apart yeah. from coronavirus, you know, I mean, those people must be feeling extremely vulnerable that there is no help at all because even right. when the help is at its best, it's still not its best, is it? It must be, right. um, you know, and, and as you said, you know, I I guess, you know, I feel, you know, we've I've grown up in a kind of a very privileged environment and any problems that I've, I've ever had in my life, I've kind of dealt with under the kind of umbrella of privilege in terms mm. of, um, you know, having good family support and, you know, I guess my work has always been an incredible kind of, I've always had that to turn to and maybe sometimes turn to it too much to, mm. you know, block things out. But, you know, to actually have absolutely nothing mm. when and no support and, and nowhere to go, I mean, it just makes the power of what you do at Haircuts for the Homeless just so much more 
powerful in the therapy of that pure mm. time in the chair and the haircut. Yeah. You know, it, it, I don't know, I, I can't, I, I just can't, you know, emphasize enough how incredible I think that that process is and the value of what you've added to so many people's lives on a, mm. you know, I, I mean, how often do you go to, say, Whitechapel? Uh, every project we've got 68 now across the country right every project w- runs once a month right so um, the guys wherever they are be it in Liverpool Manchester Whitechapel they all know we're coming in a month's time mm. most people who, who engage with us from the from the centres say they can't wait for you to come so when are the haircuts coming next they, they generally advertise it um, so each team, I, I, I'm living it, but each team and each volunteer, we only ask of them half a day once a month. Right. And I think that's why we keep such a high, we retain quite a high number of our volunteers. Right. And we, we don't put on them too much. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, you know, you've got to be keep practical. People have got to live their life and they need, you know, Time is the most, we're really finding it now, time is the most precious commodity. You know, yeah. it's, it, this is, time will come out of this, the new money, and it will be, people have realised how valuable it is, you know. Sure. Because, sure. you know, if someone nicks a tenner off you, you can soon get a tenner back. Someone nicks an hour of your time, <laughs> which I hope mm. I'm not going to you today, Gary, but no. do you see what I mean? It's like you can't get that back sometimes, can you? You know, when yeah. you've had that half-hour chat with someone who's drained the life out of you, you think, oh, you've watched this awful film and you have to watch it till the end and you think, <laughs> I'm never getting that time back again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this this hour has been the best hour I've spent for a long time. And, um, oh, please to hear that. <laughs> you know, in this in this kind of situation we're in at the moment. Yeah. I mean, some of the volunteers they must um, have. You know, do, do they ever get emotional, and are they oh, are yeah. they affected in in yeah. ways that you? Yeah, yeah. You know, usually, it, it, it's honestly, it's, it's such a it's just a roller coaster because one minute we're all crying our eyes out, next minute we're all laughing our heads off. You know, sure, um, sure. But that's what the team's about. That's why we've got team leaders. We've got teams. Um, each group's got a WhatsApp group, um, and I'm noticing even today I was looking at the Romford one. They're all on there chatting on each other, checking they're all right. You know, uh, all across the country, all of these WhatsApp groups are going on, so they're keeping in touch. Mm. Um, uh, they're ready to go again. They're all desperately, you know, yeah. waiting to start again, but they're all supporting each other in the meantime. The yeah. funny thing is, Gary, that they're all sort of quite unique depending what part of the country they're in. And like, sure. you know, some are more serious, some are more lighthearted. But then you go to the Dublin one and it's yeah. full of dirty jokes and silly videos. No, it's not. <laughs> the banner of the Irish, you can't beat it. Yeah, it's brilliant. No, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely brilliant. And it's a lovely place over there. Um, yeah, so you are know. you travelling on a kind of, you know, every daily basis or are you you know to pretty much the country yeah yeah pretty much I try and um, it tends to be the first part of the week I'll be going somewhere and then the middle of the week I'll be working on the admin and stuff with my sister yeah um, right we've made a oh, conscious oh so you and your decision. sister are still working together on this That's yeah great isn't yeah, it yeah yeah well it's pretty soon I mean she was devastated when we lost the business and she 
she needed something. And whereas I used to do this a lot on my own um, and travel around a lot on my own, she started to come with me and she started. She was the mother of the salon. And now she's become yes. the mother of the um, WhatsApp groups. So, so everyone knows Belinda and, you know, like she's the, you have to get through Belinda to get to me, you know, like generally <laughs> on the emails. And she's just, you know, like she's the backbone of it all. And she's, yeah. she's, she did that in the business. So she did a lot of the admin and the, she did yeah. the, that and the wages and all that. So she's able to do the budget and the, and, and those type of things in this, mm. and she keeps me. I just hand her, a, you know, um, a handful of bits of paper, and she sorts them out for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm a doer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think having a business before has really helped you approach the whole? the way that you do everything with this not you know yeah. because I think you, you know you've got such a great personality and that comes across when you see bits of you working and you know and which you would have to, you know as a salon head so you have to have that don't you you know right yeah. through to you know being really disciplined with paperwork and you know uh, motivating the people who work for you and training mm. and do you tra- do you have a training process in terms of the people the volunteers or um, we've, we've always I've sort of done that myself like I've handed it, you know, I've, I've worked with the team leaders, the team leaders have worked with their teams. So generically, genetically, just come along itself. However, um, early, um, no, middle of last year, um, we started talking to L'Oreal and they've been fantastic and they, mm. they're hoping to get more structured stuff with us. Just before this all finished, we've done some videos uh, with them that they're going to release at some point and give us to Fantastic. use. So it's rather than a, 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 um, an email chain, it's now a video, a link, and it'll be like, if you want to volunteer, watch this. If you want to be a team leader, watch this. If you want to, if you're a cent and you want us to come to, you know, it, like a company like that can help us uh, yeah. in so many ways, you know, and they've been, they've been so far, that they've been brilliant, yeah. Yeah, and, the, and the industry as, as a whole wants to help us. That's what I'm finding. Yeah. yeah. You know. Well, I mean, it's grassroots stuff, isn't it? It's wherever yeah. you work in the industry, whether you do what I do or you work at L'Oreal or any of the big brands or you do what Maxi yeah. does, uh, Beauty Papers, you know, whatever yeah, you do, exactly. you know, this this whole thing comes down to grassroots, doesn't yeah. it? And the, the kind of the power of... You know the yeah. makeup, the makeup. Uh, I know Maxine said that she'd been to the Whitechapel Mission a few oh. times and and bought down the door. And she was my doorman. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I can imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Doing it so well, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and and you know, just I think the the kind of extremity of working in kind of beauty and fashion and hair and stuff at a certain level and then coming to do that and she was talking to me about it we talked about it in depth and I know it means so much to her and the Beach Papers have been yeah. really supportive to your course and, oh, yeah. and, and you know along with other like L'Oreal and stuff I mean how do you yeah. think this situation is going to affect you know your funding and your the way that you kind of go forward um, do you think it's we'll just keep you know, at it you know and we've also got like uh, Millie and uh, Kendall at the um, British uh, Beauty Council. Yeah, uh, they've, they've, they've done. You know, they've opened so many doors for us. So I'm sure. I'm, I'm really confident in the future that we can grow and grow. You know, because we've only scratched the surface. Um, and with people like Millie, like Maxine, like L'Oreal, you know, everyone helping 
we can really start to make this a, a, a movement. You know, I'm really confident yeah. of that. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm sure with your kind of, you know, your amazing enthusiasm and passion to do that, <laughs> that will, that will come. And I, you know, I really look forward to seeing yeah. the film and, um, yeah. you know, yeah. meeting you in person and, yeah. you know, um, and you're yeah, coming to the mission, like, Gary. I'm, I'm determined. You're definitely coming to the mission. I will. So, I will definitely <laughs> love to come and do that. I really would. I really. We're hitting. Would. We're just about hitting the hour mark, which mm. is going to cut off. So, um, what? So, what positives for you are going to come out of you know like this this situation? You know that we're in. I think. I think the positives are that I, I truly believe that we are going to head to a better place and re- yeah. make a reassessment of all of our lives and yeah. reassess what is important to us. I always think that I know what's important to me. Um, <laughs> and then I, yeah, exactly. And then I get bogged down with, you know, work and schedules and. Yeah. you know, going places and doing things. And, you know, yeah. I'm a very, very proactive person. And, I, you know, I'm always, I'm never bored. I've always got something to do. I mean, as much as I don't want this situation to be happening and, you know, I'm just getting increasingly sad about the amount of deaths and the problems with, you know, the, all the people working on NHS. Mm-hmm. I still, for my own kind of mental health, have to keep myself moving and going forward. And I think after this, I think, you know, I've, I'd love to like think about new ways of working in fashion so that yeah. we're not wasting so many resources and um, we can have more time to do things that are more important. And I, I just, yeah. th- that, that is a positive to me. I, I've got to stay positive. To this. I can't let myself yeah. go no. down, down, a, down the other road on this. Otherwise I, I will not go to a good place with it. And I just think no. it's important for all of us, whether whatever we're doing, this world whatever we're contributing is to have a real think about how this can make a difference and i think you're very very poignant what you said about shame on us if we don't Mm. i mean that could for me could be the statement of this whole thing for Mm. everybody is a shame on us if we don't use this as a platform Mm. to move forward in a different way and, and realize what is important just you know even if it's you know, just the kind of climate, you know, the climate change that's occurring mm. in a few weeks is phenomenal. Mm. You know, all of these things, you know, the world's been screaming out to change and I think it's it's put this here to make us do it. We have no choice anymore. Wow. So, you know, those are the positives. I, As much as there's a very sad side of it, I do feel yeah. very, I do feel a sense of positivity mm. about it for everybody. And um, you know, I just, I just hope that we we don't are not in a position in a year's time and we go, oh, well, that kind of all went away quickly, didn't it? You know, um, but I, don't, I have a feeling that won't happen. No. I think it's shaking everyone up, and um, mm. I just, I, I really, really, really hope that you know the work that you do, Stuart, is you know is really highlighted this this situation really highlights the work that you do as well because i do think i think you're amazing i think you're absolutely amazing and i find it thank you sir you know quite emotional when i you know when i've been watching (laughs) you and listening to podcasts and yeah i saw the little snip of the film and i just thought wow i really really take my hat off to you it's an incredible job so i'm honored that you've asked me to do the podcast and you know to have the opportunity to speak about you know some of the things i 
yeah. I think and you know a little bit about my work you know yeah. but I guess relative to what's happening now you yeah. know all of these things the sort of work you do is so important so thank you for that no thank you and it's it's just got us away from everything for an hour isn't it if nothing else yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> just got away from that nasty thing out there but yeah. yeah thank you so much it's been a real pleasure talking to you and as I said I've literally had a smile on my face for this hour so right. um, Me too. you know I really wish you the best and um, you know let's keep in touch Absolutely, sure. Always. Thank no problem you. At all. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.